Hi, this is Collins John. You're listening to Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full and Focus podcast. My name is Morgan Cowton and today we will be looking back on another Cracking Whites performance, this time over at the dog track down the road with a special mention for King Kenny and looking ahead to our cup replay at Sunderland on Wednesday night. I'm delighted to be joined this evening by another of Fulham's Dutch contingent from years gone by, Mr. Collins John. And we also have Sam Diamond on, who is neither Dutch nor a Fulham legend, but lovely to have him regardless. First things first, thanks for joining us again, Collins. Uh, have you been enjoying watching Fulham since the uh, World Cup had finished? Yeah, I've been um, really been proud of my former team. Uh, honestly, I've been uh, enjoying it. Uh, I have to say I've enjoyed the World Cup big, big, big time. But um, yeah, coming back from the World Cup, seeing Fulham play like this with, with a bit of flair, a bit of arrogance, the real Fulham is back and I'm so happy Marcus Silva got everything uh, a point because they look they look um, very very good going forward. But defensively they look solid. The team Bream is having a season of his of his lifetime to be honest with you. And let let me not start about Kenny Tate. I mean this guy is really 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 playing well. And um, you know uh, I thought Leno was dead uh, when he was uh, playing at the Arsenal, but he looks uh, he looks fantastic as well. Just the whole team. I mean, you know, to go to Stamford Bridge and put that kind of performance in is just really make me proud uh, to be a, a part of a uh, Fulham family. I mean, speaking about Tim Ream, you say, you know, it's the season of his life. Have you ever seen a player, someone of his age, make such a, not such a comeback, but such a resurgence, particularly in their career so late in it? Actually, that's a great one. I think he has to be up there. Um, and to be honest, I've I've seen him play in the World Cup as well. Very solid. He just it's just it looks like he plays on a third gear. I mean, everything what he does, it looks effortless. You know, he's so experienced, always in the right position. And I know Tim Ream is not the quickest, but he just seems like he never he, he never uses um, his pace to run. And because his um, his body language is always right, his his his, his position is always right. Um, yeah, he's just wonderful to watch. Wonderful to watch. I think I kind of think he's kind of at this point. He's you know at thirty five, you weren't expecting him to get near uh, a Premier League side. You know, it was very even in the Championship, it was like the ex- expectation wasn't overly high. But he's almost like the American Paolo Maldini yeah. this season. No, yeah. You know, he's just he's so composed, he's so relaxed on the ball. Yeah. It's just like where has this come from? I know, I know, really. Um... Yeah, like I said, he's he, he's been playing unbelievably. I mean, his partner as well. You know, we have to say that. And and to be honest, he's he's our first pick because sometimes the up plays and sometimes um, Tosin plays in it. So yeah, he he just make them dead another to uh, make. They he gives them the confidence to play alongside him, and 
that means a lot. He's he's true our captain and he's playing wonderful football this year. Uh, you know, talking about sort of Kenny Tete, I mean, you must be incredibly proud of your countryman. Uh, just especially the season he's having. He's he's had to overcome a lot of injuries, but at the same time, and we will talk about the performance, but I mean, that performance in particular earned him a lot of plaudits, not just from Fulham fans, but from pundits as well. I mean, seeing something like that just must, you know, make you think good on him. Yeah, I I, I, I know Kenny personally, so um, I always knew he was a good footballer. Yes, he had a setback at Ajax when he just left and he went to Lyon. He had a good season at Lyon. And went full about him. Obviously, his first year was was okay, but I don't really think the Fulham fans actually knew how good he was. And obviously, he went to the championship last year. He had a you know bad injury, but to come back this this way he's doing is just. I mean, we can all see how good this guy is. I mean, we have to be very very lucky to get hold of him in the summer because I think a few clubs will come knocking. And um, but yeah, let's just enjoy this first couple of months and hopefully he will stay on board. But yeah, he's been unbelievable. Even going forward as well. I know defensively he's one of the best in the league, but going forward, I mean, if you see the run the second half, I mean, that was just, you know, that was just breathtaking. I mean, this guy is playing really with flair and with a lot of confidence and yeah, it does me good. He's Dutch. I was going to ask you if you did know him personally, uh, but then I thought it was a bit like when Americans ask English people if we knew the Queen. Uh, I thought I might be stereotyping a little bit, but actually, good to know that you actually do know him personally, yeah, and that's uh, yeah, you know, that's... Uh, we text. I know his, uh, I know his girlfriend. Um, yeah, so I've been knowing Kenny for a long, long time, and uh, such a humble guy. You know, he's just very down to earth. He loves his football. He's he's hard on, on on social media. He just keeps his head down and just working and working and working. And personally, I know he, he likes the club as well. He loves Fulham. Uh, he likes the area he lives. He lives in Battersea, I think. Well, right, maybe he's just moved to Fulham, but um, don't put that out there too much, you know. You know. Yeah, but, yeah he, uh, <laughs> with performances like that, yeah, there's going to be crowds just, of people around yeah, his house, sort just, of like you know, cheering him. Yeah, he just loves it. You can see he's, he's really enjoying his football. Uh, his football. I was going to say, it's not the worst place to live in the world, is it? Either, no, as well as a exactly. decent club. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's have a bit of a chat about the um, the Chelsea game now. I mean, obviously, all the headlines leading up to it uh, were centered around Chelsea spending the GDP of a small nation. Now, with all their new recruits, you look at them and you think, how are you going to make them gel? But the only one starting uh, making their debut in this one was Enzo Fernandez. He was making his debut after uh, moving from Benfica for a mere 107 million a day or two earlier. Um, Sam, coming to you, uh, when you saw the lineup and you saw him in there, were you thinking you'd be slightly concerned that we were about to see a world-class display or do you think they're rushing him in because of the price tag? And kind of in the same way that João Felix made his debut at Craven Cottage and was promptly sent off. No, I was quite pleased to see him in there because it, it did strike of panic in their ranks really of, of desperately trying to get a result um, and what he, he didn't sign until very very late on deadline day I think he'd only had one training session so I think to see the fact that they're bringing him in and, and more to the point starting him alongside Conor Gallagher um, that gave me a real boost when I did see the teams uh, I think there was only was it three players who started the game at the cottage a couple of weeks beforehand so it's just Sorry, of, I mean, I'm, yeah, something, you've got to squad rotate when you've got 57 players all costing over sort of 30 million playing in your team. So, But sort of similar to Nottingham Forest at the start of the season, you can't throw in that many new faces and expect like a, 
a cohesive performance straight away. And I think that was certainly the case. And it gave us the opportunity to take the game to them early on. And we didn't really look back from that point. Actually, uh, on on this uh, you know, the topic of having lots of new signings, Collins, when you were a player and a club, you know, not just Fulham, any club that you were at, made a host of new signings in one go, did it really sort of, uh, you know, did it cause the balance of the squad to, you know, go a bit wrong? Or did you just take it in your in your stride? I think a couple of, I always say a couple of new signings. I mean, we always used to see it um, with Alex Ferguson at Man United. I think a couple of signings good for your squad. I mean, sometimes, you know, you can be down as a, as a group, as a team, as a club, because you know your quality is just not right. Uh, so you might need some help and you might, you know, every player likes to win every week. So if you can strengthen them with, with, with some good players, it's not a problem. But I think what Fulham is doing, well, sorry, what um, what Chelsea is doing right now is just every single week a different player was coming in the building. I think you can see it. It's just even the result is not, it's not going the right direction as well. I think it's going to be very, very hard for, for players to adjust and to to have a good feeling about the about the camp as well. I think too many players coming in at the same time is always going to cause problems. And you can see it, to be honest with you, because Graham Potter has a lot of lot of work in his hands because all these players, you have to gel in in one, basically, couple of months because the Chelsea fans, they have no patience. They want results straight away. So just right now, it just looks like a bad place to be in and um, it's going to be very hard. And I think for someone like Graham Potter, who is used to managing players who are, let's call them, they're having, you know, their feet on the floor. They're not, he's not dealt with massive egos in the past. And now he's dealing with players that are costing over 100 million. Yeah. And that's a very different world for him to be in. And for a mid-table team like Chelsea, that's a lot of money to be spending on players, you know. Yeah. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and I think, you know, they're going to, you know, hopefully going to struggle uh, in forward. I think... You know, when you've got all these players coming in, there's so many egos. It's not like adding a bit of depth to your squad. You're adding these players who are on money that they should be starting Premier League games. And yet, you know, they come up against a Fulham team who, you know, we spent 17 million on Jao Paulinha. And the, we saw, we've seen so much more value in that signing than I reckon they'll see in someone who costs 100 million. And it's, it's just crazy. Um, but I think, you know, with our, you know, we look at our lineup, we signed two players in the transfer window, um, uh, Sasha Lucic and Cedric Suarez, uh, Suarez, well, my Portuguese isn't great, um, but we, they weren't even in the squad because Silva knew they weren't integrated into our system yet. And the patient, we didn't need to rush them in because we're not in a desperate situation. We have got a good team. We've got a good bond. If you bring those players in straight away, that disrupts the harmony of the team. And that's what he really cares about it, clearly. And obviously, you know, Collins, you know, through, you know, through Boa, how, you know, how Marco is. And there is no rushing. It is all very, it all feels at the moment very calm and collected. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Sam, would you have, when you saw that lineup, did you think, you know, that's the lineup we should be playing? Did you expect to see Lukic or Suarez on the bench? Perhaps on the bench, um, but I agree absolutely what you say. And going back to to signings, I, I, Marco Silva made the point as well. January is a very 
it is not the right time to be bringing in a lot of players. He said he, we, the squad was where he wanted it to be and only had to make those couple of additions. And I think similarly, we've had a really settled team now. Um, and I think we're, we're reaping the rewards of that. There was a bit of clamour to for Mana Solomon to start instead of Bobby Decador-Dover-Reed. But I, I, I was pretty confident that Marco wasn't going to change, barring injury or any other fitness issues. Um, and I think that will be the case come Saturday as well. I think we'll see the two newcomers on the bench. But again, unless there are any uh, fitness issues that we're unaware of, I suspect it will be the same team. And, you know, the game, let's talk about the game. I mean, it started off at a pretty high pace. I mean, Fulham were on the front foot from the outset, I thought. And we had some good chances. Pereira probably had our best chance of the half. And I think, you know, he, he could he could do with a goal at the moment. Um, Collins, what have you thought about Pereira since, uh, since the World Cup? I mean, obviously, pre uh, the World Cup break, he was on fire. He was, you know, putting all those doubters uh, to, you know, to rest, as it were. And he's had a bit, maybe a little bit of a slower start after it. But I think in this game, certainly in the first half, he looked as if he was really hungry for it. Yeah, I think you're right. I, yeah. Me looking at him, I think he looks a bit tired. Maybe he need a rest, a uh, bit leggy. Um, you're right, before the walk, he was busy, he was lively, he was energetic. Uh, now he looks a bit leggy to me. But yeah, to be honest with you, I, I think against Chelsea, he had a good game. Uh, he should have scored. I think that goal will give him a, a real boost. Obviously, it was a good was a good play and uh, unlucky couldn't finish it. But yeah, I think you're right. I think it looks a bit bit off. But to be honest, it's, it's kind of hard for me to say because I, I re- I'm really proud of everybody uh, amongst the, amongst the players who's playing right now because I think everybody is really really having a good season. And sometimes in football, even though one of two players might not be in a good form, don't change the habit of the team. Uh, I think you just have to let the team be and. Because that's the team who's been playing well pretty all season, so he would come good. He would come good. Yeah, just, I'm, give him, just give him time and don't pick and change too much. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm massively nitpicking here. You know, the guy, the guys had a brilliant season yeah. Uh, yeah. when he came in, and everyone was like preseason Pirlo. It's like mm, maybe he will be, uh, but he's just watching him play. It's just like he's that creativity that he has, yeah. and the drive he has. You know, every game he looks like he's giving a hundred percent. Yeah. And to be fair, that seems to be the case for all the players. And I think whether that's each player's individual mentality or if that's just the mentality that Marco's instil- uh, instilled in them, uh, I'm not sure. But it's you know it's been uh, amazing to watch how they've played and how they've gelled as a team. Exactly. Um, because uh, you know obviously the championship season was great fun. Yeah. Um, but this is a whole different kettle of fish, and the way they've gone about it. You know, whilst not every result has gone our way and it will never go our way every game, we've not, apart from maybe that first Newcastle game, we haven't come out of a game and gone, that was god awful. Yeah. And I think that is a sign of very good management and also a very good team harmony yeah, exactly. to be there to fight for each other. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, sort of in, you know, again, in that first half, Chelsea had their chances. I mean, Havertz, I think it was Havertz hit the crossbar. Um, they and it looked like it might be going in, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, 
aside from that, I mean, it was the it was it was a bit like the Spurs game in the way that Fulham really sort of grabbed it by the scruff of the neck, and they probably could have scored a goal. Uh, yeah. but you know, I think no, no. we are, I think we are missing uh, also Mitro's goals. It's yep. kind of like being quiet for the last couple of games. I think the penalty miss against, uh, unfortunately, obviously against Newcastle really give him, uh, you know, maybe the confidence knock. Uh, but like I said, you know, I mean, Mitro has been having an unbelievable season, great World Cup. The team look really spicy right now. So, but that will come, uh, like I just said. Everything will come good. Um, just have to be patient. I think the next game against um, it's not nothing in my home. Yep. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think that's that's a must-win game. Uh, hopefully, Mitro can bang in some goals. Pereira can bang in some goals, and then before you know it, they're back in form and uh, everybody's smiling again. So uh, no, I'm very uh, like I said. I think I've said it about four times, but um, yeah, looking at Fulham now, and I think a lot of people forget as well. We uh, we just came up from the championship. Uh, nobody speaks about it because it just seems like we're just you know dancing about in the league and we're doing well and everybody's like oh Fulham, but you know people forget we came from the championship and um, we've been bouncing back the championship and Premier League for the last couple of years. So um, for people not to even uh, um, bring that up, that means uh, we're doing business this year and it's a fantastic it's, uh, place to be. It's it's. It's a funny old season, isn't it? I mean, Sam, I mean, you, we've been through the ringer, really, as fans, and the team have been through the ringer, um, you know, with the ups and downs and the sort of the merry-go-round of players and managers to an extent. It's it's just so calm at the moment. And I know we're skipping away from the Chelsea game, but it's just like it is, you know, as Colin says, you know, sort of like we're not talked about as a just-come-up-from-the-championship team. We're talked about as Fulham. And it's quite interesting to see how the, the the how it's changed over the last few months. There's certainly a lot of pundits who are backpedalling on comments that were made during the summer and at the start of the season. Um, yeah, it's 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 quite refreshing, isn't it? Not to not to be panicking. And to be honest, like, that, that's kind of how I felt going into the Chelsea game with a local derby. You almost like the first instinct is, or let's not be humiliated here that's let's get through it with like saving some face and then you take it well can we get a result can we put in a good performance and of course that's what we did but I now I just expect it of this team um, against the big sides going away to to the teams at the top Manchester City Arsenal we've, we've given them real good games we've been unfortunate not to to get get results and I just feel that's the way now in any game, we, we we will compete with any team in this division and we we fully merit where we are on the table. Except Everton away, where, you know, unless it's behind closed doors, they're probably going to lose it because, you know, that's just that's just life. 1-1 <laughs> one, one in a row at Goodison. It's, uh, yeah, one in a row. To, I mean, time yeah. to change what's, it. What's that, one in 56, I think, or something like that? But, yeah, we got, obviously, the we got into the second half and uh, another of Chelsea's big money signings, uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, uh, he was making his first start for them after his £88 million move for, from Shakhtar uh, after playing uh, understudy to Mana Solomon uh, the last few years. And he was hauled off at half-time because £3 million Kenny Tete had him in his back pocket. And it was... I think it was uh, having come on against Liverpool for him and looked really bright to then have that game and then be expected to sort of shine 
in front of uh, the Chelsea fans. He, he, you know, for someone who has tattoos on his neck, he looked a bit soft. And I think, you know, the fact he got taken off at halftime was a uh, testament to his performance, really. Well, well, it was was certainly a testament to Kenny Tete's performance. So, yeah. I would like to speak about briefly because I was perhaps... Go on then, you, you don't know him, but I mean, you know, have a chat about it. <laughs> I would text all the time. Um, yeah, I was perhaps one of those people who were unsure um, about about Kenny, um, not really for his ability, but again, his injury record. And um, I mean, I watched him a, quite a, a bit last season and I always wondered, well, defensively, is he a little bit suspect? But... Boy, has he proved me wrong this season. And um, I think, again, in, in in commentary of the game on Friday, I watched it back with Gary Neville and there's a sort of like self-deprecation there because he was a right back and he makes out that this right back is a position that nobody wants to play. But for me, fullbacks are the most important positions on the pitch. I think they're so crucial to the way teams play um, in this era. And I think we've got two who are in the form of their lives. And I was actually, I wanted to ask Collins, um, I think Kenny hasn't played for the Netherlands since March 2021. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a, any chance of him getting a, an international call-up soon. Well, I know Kuma likes him. Uh, I knew Fangar was not, was not always a big fan of him. But I know Kuma likes him. And if he keep playing like this, I can tell you he's going to get called up 100%. Because right now, the only player we got is Dumfries from Inter Milan. He's not even playing at Inter, he's on a bench. So if Kenny keep playing like this, he will, he will definitely get the call up because Koeman, Roman Kuman is back. He's obviously, Fungal um, stopped after the World Cup and Roman Kuman took over. So uh, if he keep playing like this, definitely he will be back in the squad. I've got to, I mean, I've got to think as well that with Suarez turning up from Arsenal, uh, knowing that you've got a fairly you know decent quality challenger for your position it's going to kind of you know as long as he keeps his uh fitness up which you know he's had no nothing no issues in the last you know few months i guess um, i thought it was quite interesting he's he's made as many starts in the league this season as he did last season so he right okay fifth, fifth, i didn't know that maybe. premier league games and he only started 15 in the championship i think that's mm. right yeah and he's but he is uh he's putting in performances uh that suggests that you know he is being driven and he wants, you know, as Colin said, you know, they've only got one other option at right back in the Dutch squad. Maybe he's pushing for that. He's pushing for Euro 24. Yeah. And there is absolutely no reason if he's not starting right back for a top 10 Premier League team, why he should not be considered for that role, especially with the performances he's putting in. And not just about sort of like his hard work, but, you know, his ability to cross is, is now is defending. The fact he's only been passed twice or something like that in this league. I mean, there's some incredible stats that he's putting up for someone who had a, you know, not by his own fault, potentially, but sort of questionable last season in the Premier League uh, and, you know, slightly stuttery championship, uh, you know, record because of his injuries. But he's just come up and he's just, you know, he's blown the doors off. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. You know, love. I love to see it. And, I, you know, it's... With the you know we've had it over the over the years uh, since we uh, became Premier League side back in two thousand and whatever two thousand one two thousand two was it two thousand two I lose track um, 
that you know we've had some players that have come in who you know may not have been sort of seen as top class players but they've had really good careers with Fulham and I'm really hoping that we see Kenny in a Fulham shirt for years to come because I think he certainly has the quality and I think he's now as Colin says you know he's happy here he this is where you know if he can get you know keep his fitness and he just keeps a steady flow of games I think we've got a very good uh, player on our hand for the long term yeah Um, a run in Europe will keep him happy next season well, exactly, yeah. When we're doing away games in Armenia in the European Conference League or Europa Conference League, <laughs> uh, you know, Vilnius away, that sort of thing. Looking forward to those. <laughs> but so the second half was a little bit of a different uh, different match. I mean, obviously Chelsea came at us. Uh, they had a few good opportunities, one in particular when uh, Sterling got round Leno after the defence-splitting pass, tried to slide the ball in the net. But some young 21-year-old centre-back from America, you know, storming in, clearing the ball. I mean, Ream just was like, you know, he came out of nowhere, really. It's just like he knew where the ball was going. And he's like, nah, not happening. Yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's again, you know, Collins, you were saying, you know, it's just great to see. But something like that, that is the... That is the drive and fight of a player who still loves the game, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like you said, he came out of nowhere, to be honest with you. I thought that was it. I thought that's a goal. But uh, yeah, there we go. That is Tim Ream again. I mean, he's he's true to our leader. He's, he's the captain. Like you said before, he's so calm. And even the way he slid the, the, the ball out the net, you know, it was so, it was so casual, it was so relaxed. Yeah, that was that was that was a great defending uh, piece of um, of our captain. Um, so much of that was down to positional sense as well. Exactly, exactly. Think, as, as you know, Colin says he's never been one blessed with pace. But if you have that, you can you can play deep into your career. Yeah, I mean, just look at Thiago Silva at the other end. Yeah. Um, mm. Why can't we have Tim Ream doing that in the Premier League for another exactly. two or three years? And I think Silva is thirty-eight. Imagine. Yeah. But that's the, you know, you, uh, it's football intelligence. It's, I don't think it's spoken about enough of, really. I mean, Reem, Thiago Silva, Willian. I mean, that's one of the things that I've got from him this season. You know, it's not all about his pace. It's the, the fact that he never loses uh, the vision. Yeah. Or knows where to sort of, where to put himself. So it's all there. It's in his brain. He knows exactly where to be on the pitch. And it's when you see that and especially when it's, um, you know, executed by someone who is in a really good place in, you know, in their game at the time, you know, with their motivation is high, they're on a high morale and you just see how they do it. It flows so easily. And I think the fact that that, uh, you know, the ball split between Diop and Ream for Sterling's chance Leno had a great game, but he was going proper sweeper-keeper there and sort of was a bit in no man's land. Ream knew exactly where to be. Yeah. And that's just, that sort of, that's instinct. Yeah, it's and it, that it, is it, exactly when you want. He reads the game properly, isn't he? He's always yeah. ahead of everybody else and that is just a quality as well. Um, that's why he plays every game. He's the one, he's the first centre-back to mark over picks. And they're the other two that kind of like um, play each game... Um, 
uh, my side. But you kind of want, I mean, for Tosin and uh, Diop, I mean, Diop has come in and done exceptionally well. I think when he joined from West Ham, everyone was a little bit sort of 15 million for him. And then he had his first game against Crawley. And it was like, God, 15 million for him. And it just like, is this going to work out? But he's, you know, he's after that game, he's come in and he's been an absolute beast. Tosin, I think he's obviously had a few questions around his future. There were links to Monaco and Marseille in the window. Whether, I don't know if he's happy there or not. Um, I think he would want to be starting every game, understandably. And it's probably just a bit of a shock for him that he's losing his place or not being part of a Diop and Tosin partnership. Because I don't think anyone expects Reen to be starting every game. But I'm hoping that he, at this point, I know he's, what, 25 years old? Yeah. I think, yeah, Tosin? Yeah, 25, yeah. I think he needs to still be learning because as Reem's shown, you know, you've got at least another 10 years in you if you're really into it. And if he's learning from Reem, if he's learning from Diop as well, he could have a great career, uh, you know, a great career with Fulham. He could, you know, go on to bigger and obviously not better, but, you know, big things uh, as a centre-back because he's got the talent. But I think he needs to sort of like maybe improve just that little bit with experience and with learning from other players i mean sam what do you think about tosin of late do you think his head's dropped because of what's happening or it's hard to speculate um there there certainly seems to be this this issue that keeps cropping up about his long-term future um an unwillingness to commit himself he's obviously had his contract triggered for an extra year um, but it still seems that he doesn't want to sign a long-term deal uh, hence why he's now being, I guess, linked by his agent to various clubs in the window. Um, I like Tosin. I think sometimes he gets a, he gets a bit of a, a rough ride from fans. But I feel when he's when he stepped in, because I, let, let, I think we can say he's lost his place to Diop. I think Diop's probably now seen as the first choice to partner Tim Ream. I think he's come in and he's, he's done well. And again, it's just... It's just strength. It's 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 squad depth. You need it um, if you want to. You know, you want to go far in cups. You want to do well in the league. Possibly, you end up in Europe. You need to have that kind of quality on the bench as well as in the starting eleven. For sure, and you know his time make up. I think he'll probably play on Wednesday against Sunderland. And I think he is a more than dependable backup. I think I would trust him if he's starting. But as you say, Ream starts and then it's another. And at the moment, that is Diop until he sort of, you know, loses his form. But just, uh, you know, think about the rest of the game. I mean, I think, obviously, from our point of view, it was a very hard fought draw. And I think you've got to look at that team and go in years gone by, Premier League years gone by, we would have lost that game because the amount of pressure that we came under at times would have you know, made our team crumble. But this team does not crumble. You know, we've had some unfortunate last minute losses. Yes, Newcastle, Man City, Man U. Uh, but this one, it just seemed like nothing was going to get past. And we've got to say, I think, 
a lot of that must have been down to the Fulham fans at the game because the noise that they were creating, the atmosphere creating, there must have been, you know, obviously Stamford Bridge is quite good in that way because it's very close to the pitch. We had a lot of fans there and just the way, you know, you could hear them. I mean, I couldn't make the game, sadly, but uh, Collins, I mean, from your point of view, when fans are really into it, can you feel that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I always said the fans is <laughs> got to be the twelfth man for me. I mean, maybe it's just me personally, but I just without fans, I play differently. Um, mm. Just I like the the atmosphere, I like the feeling, I like the the noise, I like the you know the the the, the just the energy. And um, I think you're spot on. I think against the game, uh, the game against Chelsea, I think I really think the Fulham fans really gave us a lift. You know, they they were positive. They were really the twelfth man, and um, yeah, I think you're spot on. Spot on. I mean, one of, one thing I've always wondered for players, uh, you can answer this because you're a player, and it's when you're at a game. And say it's a really big stadium. You've got, say, you know, excess of 40,000 home fans and maybe only like 1,500 at most away fans. Yeah. Can you still feed off the atmosphere of the 40,000 home fans? Or do you feel intimidated by the fact they're not with you? Um, that's, that's a good one. I think you're more focused on your away fans because that is your, that is your, that is your support, isn't it? That's like your... Mm. That's your how do you say that word in English? That is your your backup plan basically. If you yeah. score, you always look at your, your fans. You always see where they are. So for me, as a striker, I always looked at away fans because I knew if I score, I knew where to go. I want to celebrate them. I want to make sure if we score together. So as the fans now, we can kind of like make another place quiet. So you always you know mm. keep that connection between your between your fans. So I think there are a lot of fans, you, do, you don't really hear them, especially when you're doing well, when you're playing well. And especially the game against Chelsea was a great example because we had them quiet. Of course, like you said, second half, we got a little bit on pressure. Uh, but that's, that's, that's normal. They just signed two plays over 200 million together. So you're going to get um, a little bit of pressure in the second half. But um, like you said, that was a perfect game. Was Fulham against Chelsea and we were the better side because we had a smaller team, lower budget and for that game was just on a goal missing because if we have scored that game, I'm, I tell you, I can tell you 100% sure the, the, the Chelsea fan will go crazy. <laughs> yeah, because there's been sure. so much dough on 11 players <laughs> in the last six months and, and and you want to tell me Fulham the small club it's just gonna shut them down. Nah, they won't. They won't take that. They won't take that. Um, very good, I think. So, um, you know, lucky for them was no no. And uh, but you know, we uh, we take the point and go home. I think you know the fun of that is you know it heaps the pressure on Potter. I mean, you know, from a, an Englishman's point of view, I kind of want Potter to do well, not necessarily with Chelsea, but I think he's a good manager. He's built himself up from a lowly Swedish team and whatever he was doing before that to reach what would, you know, be considered the pinnacle almost of football management. But I think 
he, I don't know, maybe it was just that he, he should have had a little intermediate step or stay with Brighton for a bit because obviously they're not a, um, you know, a rubbish team and they want, they're not fighting for uh, survival at this point. Uh, but it's uh, at the same time to see them spend that much money, Todd Bowley to come in, you know, throwing his uh, proverbials around the place as if he's sort of, you know, Billy Big Bollocks <laughs> with his wallet and, you know, to them not get the results they want. It's, uh, I mean, it's just beautiful. It's poetry in motion, for want of a better term. <laughs> and I, I really hope Graham Potter stays in the job because he hasn't beaten us in five attempts in the Premier League, including three, <laughs> exactly. three, three games this season. <laughs> We've beaten my whole minute, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was at the game, was yeah, great the, game by the way. Great oh, that's right. Yeah, you were, weren't you? Yeah. And I think he was, was he Brighton manager when we played them in the snow and Scott Parker basically took over from Ranieri at half time when we were 2-0 down and we won 4-2. I think that was when, <laughs> that was the first one. Yeah, uh, yeah he was. He it was, was the manager. Yeah, he was the manager. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah, in that very weird season. All right, well, you know, we got that draw against Chelsea. I think everyone deserves plaudits. The whole team... Uh, you know the coaching staff Marcus Silva I mean he came on and I thought he was going to lamp the referee at one point which is great I love his commitment uh, which does mean he's now banned for the next game which slightly odd to have a manager who's reached his yellow card limit um, but and also to the fans because you know we were always going to you know take you know a full allocation to Stamford Bridge uh, but they just got behind them and the atmosphere is so good at the moment it's it is so positive. And, you know, we've together, had, Everybody's together. Yeah. And we all know that it only takes a few games for that to sort of turn its head. But right now, I think because, you know, even when we have a few mixed results, the, you know, the, the players still seem happy. I think when the players uh, become visibly unhappy, that's when the fans can start turning. Yeah. Because they don't, uh, you know, they don't get the same... Uh, you know the uh, the motivation from the players as well. I think it just feeds around everyone. Yeah. Um, but you know, before we sort of move on to the the next bit, uh, let's just talk about. Oh, I think I know the answer. Uh, sorry, Collins, your answer. Who uh, the man of the match was? So, Collins. Yeah, Kenny Tate. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any. Uh, yeah. I can't argue with that. I mean, Sam, do you have a different answer? No, same answer, but I will add that they, they were all magnificent. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I think but team, Kenny, Kenny was different levels. I think Team Reen come closer second, but Teddy was worth men of met. Yeah. Also, what, one player we haven't mentioned is Paulinha, who, um, who picked up an early booking, which he also did against Tottenham. And I felt against Tottenham, after that, his there was a little... The intensity of his game dropped. Yeah. Not yeah. obviously not wanting to pick up a, a second yellow card, which he very nearly did. And I was worried when he got the, the yellow card on Friday night that there was going to be a similar drop-off, but there wasn't at all. He was he was fantastic throughout as well. Um, I but, mean, again, he's just been one of these, you know, exceptional players through the season. And you're right, against Spurs, when he did get that booking, you could tell he was a little bit nervous about sort of getting another one. But this time round, I think he just thought, fuck it, if they book me again, <laughs> they book me again. <laughs> but no, there was no drop in his performance. Um, I think you also want to mention quickly, uh, you know, obviously not man of the match contention, but man of Solomon when he came on uh, in, uh, you know, in whatever minute it was, 70th minute or something. 
he he did look very bright. And I think the Sunderland game I'm about to talk about, he he will start that. And I think he's just building up his fitness. I you know, I wasn't one of those that was calling him for him to start. I think uh Bobby uh Bobby Ducker Reed has earned his place in that starting lineup and uh Manor now has to sort of do his best to do you know, dislodge him. I don't think Bobby deserves to be dropped. And so I think, you know, with what performance we see on Wednesday from Solomon will be, uh, you know, it will give Silver an interesting conundrum on Saturday. So I think I'm very excited by someone who I had no idea who he really was. I think, you know, we were seeing a lot of uh, the Twitter crowd saying how good Solomon was from, you know, watching a couple of Champions League games and 15 minutes worth of YouTube clips saying this is a brilliant player. And I think now we're actually seeing they might have been right. And, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be interesting to see him over the next few months. And hopefully at the end of the year, we get to keep him because I forgot he's actually on loan, isn't he? Yeah. He could go back to uh, Shakhtar we, or we, whatever we it is. Do we have on it? No, I don't think we do. Okay, just straight on. I think basically his contract runs out in the summer or something. I mean, Sam, do you... It's, it's, all, you it's all been quite mysterious, isn't it? We yeah. had to sign him on loan to get round some red tape. And as you say, he's out of contract at the end of the season. And there's kind of this presumption that we will sign him. But who knows if other clubs come in. Um, it was. It seemed a little bit dodgy injury. at the time. It was a little bit it, dodgy it at the time, given the fact that we were taking advantage of a war-ridden uh, football club to bring him in for a uh, a free loan. So I think, you know, hopefully we still get him. But, uh, you know, hopefully karma doesn't play a part in that. <laughs> sort of come the end of the season. Um, right, so the next few games, we've got, uh, you know, we've got Forest at home on Saturday. And then we've got, uh, you know, Brighton away, obviously going to be tricky. Uh, Wolves at home. Wolves might be sort of, you know, they just beat Liverpool 3-0. Brentford away. Arsenal home. Liverpool away. You know, it's there are no easy games coming up. But I think we've just shown in the, you know, especially against Chelsea, that we're up for a fight of any of them. You know, there is there is no easy game, but there is no unwinnable game that we see. But next up, the fourth round replay of the FA Cup against Sunderland. Up on Wearside on a cold Wednesday night in February. It doesn't get any more grim than that. I mean, Collins, you've played in games where uh, the weather is less than... Good, yeah. I think maybe they say. And I mean, you've played up in Sunderland. You play. I mean, you obviously you played up in Middlesbrough. Yeah. One of your most famous yeah. ge- uh, goals for Fulham is against Middlesbrough. Is he going to just talk us through that goal again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go on then. <laughs> no, I just want to say I've played. Um, I think it was March. I played in Sunderland, um, and it was and it was snowing there. I mean, I, I remember right. back in London was like the sunshine the day before we left. <laughs> And then the, the next, the next afternoon, the next Saturday, so sorry, the next day on Saturday, it was snowing uh, up there. Um, I've played it twice, and I've never enjoyed playing that. To be honest with you, it's a big pitch. It's a long way out. It's just horrible to play there, and um, yeah, it's going to be a good test. And I think it's going to be good also. What you just said, a few players going to come in. So um, they can have some minutes. Uh, obviously, Tosh is going to play. Solomon's going to play. I think he's going to make a couple of changes. I think Kusawa is going to play left back. Uh, give uh, Robinson a, le- a, a rest. Uh, perhaps maybe uh, Kenny's going to take a rest as well. 
I don't think you sh- you should make too many changes because you have to go uh, you have to go through to the cup tie. But uh, yeah, I think it's gonna give some people uh, some some uh, some minutes to play and uh, show us what 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 they got, show the gap of what they got, obviously. But yeah, it's gonna be a tough game because I I think some of them play good football this year in the championship. They they have a good team, but uh, accept us. Um, I think we're gonna win. I think it's gonna be two one. It is. I mean, it is a very tough game. It is one of those, uh, you know, proverbial banana skins of a cup game, and it's one of those where you look at it, and if Championship Sunderland knock out Premier League Fulham, it's a surprise, but not maybe a shock. And it's it is a tough one because of where it is. Um, having to, you, we will need to rest players. We've got a massive game on Saturday yeah. against Forest, and you're going to see, you know, Rodak in goal. Over Leonard, yeah. you're going to see Kazawa instead of Robinson. We might see. I've got a feeling we might see Mitrovic play. I think he could do with a uh, with a goal, yeah. and so that might be seen as like the best way for him to sort of get back onto it. And you know Solomon and whether Wilson gets his place back for you know a cup game. I don't know. Um, I think yeah, Kearney will get a game apparently uh Lukic and Suarez can't play in this game because okay. they weren't registered for the previous okay. uh, for the uh for the original tie so we won't get a chance to see them in this one um and also because uh Marco Silva got his fourth booking of the season he can't be in the dugout so it's up to your mate Boa uh to manage the side <laughs> I reckon <laughs> text him should... tomorrow, tomorrow night <laughs> yeah text him just see how he's feeling about it I think he's probably you know see if he turns up in a suit <laughs> I can't wait. To see I can't that believe one. we got someone in the dugout who's getting booked more than Boa. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Sam, how do you see the starting lineup in this one? Do you do you see it's kind of like very similar to the first tie? Yes, I'd be very surprised if Mitrovic does start. I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I still feel he's nursing that ankle problem. I think he, he's publicly said that he's he's not fully training still because they're just trying to manage it as best as possible so it would be it would be a surprise to me if he's thrown in for a, a cup game midweek when we've got a big game on Saturday uh, I think there'll be changes throughout where there can be and this is a game where in seasons past pretty much any season past supporting Fulham that I would 100% be expecting us to lose um, go, going up <laughs> north midweek in the cold um, on the telly as well so everyone can slag off how many fans we've got there um, and yeah just just pretty grim all round but as we've said this this team has a little bit of metal about it and let's hope that 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 transfers its way down the squad. The players coming in take this as an opportunity to to show they're deserving of playing parts in the first team uh, and get through because we've got a very winnable tie in the next round if we do. Well, yeah, obviously uh, facing us, we get through is now managers le- uh, managerless Leeds, who sacked Jesse Marsh earlier today, much to the uh, the joy of most of the Leeds fans that I know and. So actually, I mean, when we come up against them, they'll probably, uh, if we get through this round, we'll probably have a new manager in place. So maybe the uh, the winnability level comes down a little bit. But, you know, I think you, you look at what's left in the cup 
and go, this is probably our best chance of making a run of it since we got to the semi-final back in 2002, I think it was, wasn't it? And so, you know, touch wood, fingers crossed that the boys can pull out a decent performance up there and not be, I don't know, obviously be overwhelmed by it, but they, it's going to be one of those tricky cup games. And as you say, Collins, invariably the weather's going to be crap. Uh, so it's not like the salubrious Costa del Thames where, you know, it's going you to be noisy as to. well. They'll, yeah. they'll whip up a good atmosphere there. And yeah, but yeah. you can't understand what they say. So it doesn't really matter. It'd just be noise. Yeah. And this is what I'm saying about sort of, you know, when you hear home fans making noise, maybe you can feed off it like some sort of, you know, WWE wrestler who's a, one of, you know, a heel and just kind of enjoys that sort of bad guy thing to motivate themselves. Right. I think, I think that's enough for tonight. I think we've covered, you know, a decent amount. Uh, Sam, you got anything else to add? No. 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 Cool. No. Collins. You got any sort of uh, interesting news from your part of the world? No, just, um, yeah, obviously devastating to hear the news about uh, Christian um, Atsu. But uh, you just yep. you just t- told me um, they found him. So I'm glad because he played in Holland as well. He played for Vitesse. And mm-hmm. um, I'm actually happy with the news. They found him and obviously, hopefully he will come, uh, he will come good uh, after they found him. And I wish him... Uh, Everybody who's uh, with this kind of terrible situation, all the best. And hopefully uh, in God's way, everybody uh, keeps safe and, and everything will turn good. Yeah, for, I mean, obviously, uh, by the time this goes out, most people will actually know. But for those of you who hadn't heard, you know, um, obviously, huge earthquake in southern Turkey, northern Syria. And Christian Atsu, the former Newcastle and Chelsea uh, player, was uh, declared missing. Um, but re- uh, was actually found uh, this evening at the time of recording. And he, uh, you know, hopefully he's, you know, he's in critical but uh, stable condition, as they say. So, you know, fingers crossed for him and, you know, everyone else in that region because yeah, it's a horrific, horrific thing to have happened. Uh, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously end on a uh, sad note but at the same time. That's the reality of the world we live in, isn't yeah. it? So, you know, thank you uh, both for joining us, uh, for joining me tonight. Uh, great show. And, you know, we look forward to in the next few weeks sort of seeing some great games. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And you can follow us, obviously, on the social media channels. On Twitter, we're Fulham at Fulham underscore Focus. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, we're everywhere. And thank you so much. And speak to you again soon.